again and welcome to another fantastic episode of Provoke, the podcast that takes a provocative look at advertising as a whole. I'm your host, Brian Wilder, and we are recording at the Evoke Studios in sunny, beautiful Orlando, Florida. Now, on today's episode, we are going to talk about employer retention and what agencies can and probably should do in order to keep their most precious resource happy, healthy, motivated, and ready to take on whatever's thrown at them. So we're going to bring Megan Cartaya, our social media manager, in to kind of give her perspective, as well as Samantha Cook, our agent, our director of agency happiness, what better person, to come in and give her perspective from kind of the, from the HR, from the HR standpoint. But before we get into that, I wanted to regale you all with a uh, story of pretty much the first time I quit my job. So, uh, if I remember correctly, I was but a small lad. Um, I was I had just graduated from college. I was kind of really still trying to find myself and figure out what exactly I wanted to do career-wise. I knew I wanted to get into communications, and I knew I wanted to take a a track that allowed me to kind of pour my soul on paper or whatever the go-to medium was back in 2011. Um, so I landed my first big boy job, landed it at a daily newspaper out in the uh, the sticks of South Carolina. Um, it was a great experience. I loved nearly every second of it. It was new. There was never a dull moment. Everything was fresh, exciting. Uh, I learned I learned the ropes when it came to being a journalist, when it came to, to, to editing video content. Um, I, and it was just really a very enriching, very valuable experience. But it got to a point, I'd say after about a year and a half or so, it got to a point where I really wanted to to broaden my career horizons, my professional my professional expertise, so to speak. And after after much deliberation with friends and family and spouses, uh, I, I, I made the decision to, to kind of move on to greener pastures. And it was probably one of the most nerve wracking experiences of my life because I had never really I had never really quit anything before. Uh, growing, growing up in a military household, you didn't <laughs> you didn't have the option to quit. You didn't have the option to say, uh, you know, screw this. I'm done. I, 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 there are better things that I can do with my time. It, it, again, it just wasn't an option. And so having, I, I think in the long run, it takes far more courage to honestly stop or quit something than it ever is to, to start, start something, in my opinion. Um, so th- there were a lot of, there were a couple sleepless nights leading up to me sitting down in front of my laptop and actually writing that red letter of resignation and actually putting down on paper, hey, I want something different for myself and I just don't think that you guys are the people that are going to allow me to reach those goals. And it was tough. It was super tough. Um, for whatever reason, I felt the need to wear a shirt and tie, <laughs> the, a shirt and tie the day I submitted, formally submitted my, my, my resignation letter. Uh, not, not sure what I was thinking there, but, um, yeah. And I, I, I finally, it took, I, I, it took me probably about three quarters of the work day to finally muster up the courage and do it. 
Um, I went into my my editor's office, my my regional editor's office. I sat down, and and I just sheepish, sheepishly handed him a a sealed envelope. Um, but before he had a chance to open it, and I I, I felt like he probably knew. Um, but I kind of spoiled it for him. I kind of spoiled it for him, and I, I told him, "Hey, this is my letter of resignation, effective two weeks from now." Uh, and, and the one thing that struck me is is thinking back, the the one the, the thing I said immediately following that was that I was sorry, I apologized, and I, I, again looking back, I, I don't I don't particularly know why I did that. Um, there was nothing to feel sorry for. There was nothing to feel bad about. Uh, it was no one particular person's fault. You know, it was. It's. It's. It wasn't a. It's not you. It's me. Kind of thing. It was a mutual, or maybe like a. It was an amicable split. But there was nothing that I should, or anybody in who's who's kind of finds themselves in that position, should ever feel sorry for. You should never feel sorry for wanting more for yourself. And that's not to say that your current situation isn't terrible. Maybe it is. Who knows? Um, and if it is, be sure to write in P-R-O-V-O-K at evocad.com and uh, we'll read your letters on the uh, next episode. Um, it's not necessarily a situation where it's it maybe your fault or anybody's fault. It's just, again, maybe you just want more for yourself. So a couple valuable lessons learned that day, and um, I think it helps you become a better person. It helps you grow. It helps you really get a, a hone in on what you want your life to, to be professionally, the, the raison d'etre, if you will, of why you do what it is you do, why you get up, why you put on pants, why you sit in traffic to come to an office to, 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 to really to bang out some good quality work, regardless of your industry, but doubly so in, 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 in advertising. So with that said, we are going to get into it. All right, we are back, and I have my two favorite ladies in the room. Say hi to the people out there. Hello. Hello, people. All right. We paid him to say that yeah. intro. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. Oh. Um, so, yeah, we're going to just jump right into it uh, with the, the first question when it comes to agents, or excuse me, employee retention and happiness. What, what makes people leave? Oh, I think a, a lot of different factors. I mean, I think it would probably depend on where you're at in your career. I think uh, people um, need growth opportunities. I mm-hmm. think that's a big one. If they feel like there's not a an opportunity for them to step up or continue moving up in their career path, that might be um, maybe consideration for leave. Um, so the whole glass ceiling kind sure, of... Sure, okay. Maybe people are unhappy with the environment. Mm. I mean, I think there's a lot of factors that play into that and um, definitely not an easy decision to make yeah, for, for sure. many. Um, I guess coming from the director of agency happiness, what's your <laughs> take on that? Yeah I'd, yeah, yeah, I'd love to get the HR <laughs> kind of perspective. Yeah, so, so Megan is coming from the you know, employee slash management mm-hmm. voice here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with Brian a little bit, but little bit. I um, do hire all of our interns. Okay. Um, and I do screen interviews um, for all agency positions before they happen. Okay. Now. Um, so what I see people sort of exiting the workforce with are it sometimes it's just a sense of needing to move on okay. um sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a sense of renewal like okay yeah. i have spent you know several years here i've spent a year here 
Um, and I, I think I'm looking for something new. And I okay. think that that is also, in addition to everything that Megan said, mm-hmm. a good reason for someone to sort of decide, hey, you know, I might not be entirely happy or I might be really happy just looking for something else mm-hmm. um, is is still a really legitimate reason to move on. Also, relocation. Oh. Uh, See, I didn't think about one. that. Yeah, yeah I didn't think about that. Relocation is big. Um, uh, changing life situations is big. Mm-hmm. So, like, say someone... Um, you know, just reduced the size of their home and they're mm-hmm. looking to work part-time or they're looking, you know, just to, to change their vocational path um, from one thing to the next. Like, maybe they're completely happy in the agency or the workplace mm-hmm. that they are currently in, but they're looking to, you know, focus on themselves or they're looking to focus on family. Um, there are a lot of personal reasons for people to leave mm-hmm. um, that are not directly work-related or yeah. workforce-related. Yeah. yeah, and I have a couple of friends just through Facebook stalking who have literally just switched industries altogether. Mm-hmm. That was another one I was going to mention. I was mm-hmm. going to say from a management perspective, I've had, you know, entry level positions um, transitioning out of our department because of that, because they are changing industries, because mm-hmm. they have a passion for a specific um, you know, niche industry and an opportunity has arisen and they... Um, you know, they're they're just looking for a new experience. Yeah, Agency sure. experience is very different. So um, you get a lot of experience in a lot of different areas. And so they were kind of looking to be more targeted in, in one specific area. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a reason too. I think people people leave agencies. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of a lot of different things. Yeah, and, and to to that point, I think it's 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 interesting because that like that agency lifestyle is not made for everyone right. in the sense that. It could take a lot out of you, but potentially take a lot out of you, especially if you're an agency that that kind of serves a lot of different industries. And mm-hmm. and, you know, it might not be your cup of tea to, to jump from one industry to the mm-hmm. next and then three more industries before the week's over. And so, yeah, just that, that I guess, consolidation. Right. As a, as a big thing. Um, yeah. So to kind of switch gears a little bit, say that you're someone who's trying to keep people past that that dreaded two year drop off mark. Like what 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 do you do? Like what kind of advice do you have for for employers, especially this day and age? Um, I just want to put a disclaimer on this and say that everybody sitting in this room right now is a millennial. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, by yeah. by birth date definition, uh-huh. we're all millennials. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I saw something on Huffington Post that said forty five percent of the workforce in America right now is millennials. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think. To bounce back and forth um, with what Megan was saying and, and what you were kind of voicing also, Brian, is um, when someone is looking for something new, um, when someone is looking to switch industries really rapidly, mm-hmm. um, as a young person, they might be looking for a new experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might be looking for something um, just to sort of pad their resume or to experience something different. Um, and sometimes that is one of the hardest things to combat in the two-year drop-off is to keep throwing new things at your workforce and, and you know, keep things fresh, keep it from mm-hmm. getting stale. Um, and I think that's kind of where agencies have an advantage because mm-hmm. it's never – I'm never bored here, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are, are never really bored in their mm-hmm. agencies. They might be more bored um, or a little bit more like, oh, yes, ho-hum, normal – 
day to day when they're just working for one client, like uh-huh. if they're on so, client uh, side or mm-hmm. they're in only one industry, gotcha. it can get more boring faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the boring is the wrong operative word. <laughs> 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 repeatedly. But um, it can get it can get more difficult to keep things fresh when you're only working in one industry mm-hmm. or only working for one client. Yeah, I I mean, I think what's I think something that's huge um, and I think something that Evoke is um, doing well is uh, constant check in points. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to make an effort to do that myself with my team monthly, quarterly reviews, um, monthly team huddles. What is my team interested in? Are you happy are you looking for growth? Is there something that's piqued your interest? What what can I do to keep you happy, to keep you engaged, um, to keep you motivated and excited to come to work every day? And so I feel like that's the foundation of it. And from there, there are, you know, more, I guess, uh, like superficial things like we've got, you know, keg a couple kegs in the office Mm -hmm. and you've got a really cool work environment and a really great team Mm -hmm. to work with. And I think, and and maybe we're going to talk about that a little bit better, but, or later, but Mm -hmm. you know, cultural fits. So, you know, from just the beginning, when you're bringing on people, making sure that they are somebody who's going to gel well with your team and, and that camaraderie helps too. So I think, you know, just personalities is, is a big part of that also. Making sure it's, it's good good vibes in the office that keeps people coming in and and excited every day. Also making it accessible as an employer for your employees to go to you and bring them an idea, Mm -hmm. um, bring them something that they're more interested in studying or that they're more interested in in growing into and just, um, you know, sort of letting, listening to your employees and, and letting them call the shots and say, you know, this is something that I really want to do. Um, you know, without that environment, we wouldn't have this podcast, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Yeah. Awesome. It all comes full circle. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that, the one thing I like best about any agency that does this, including our own, is the, the idea of uh, employee reassignment, so to speak. Because, mm. um, you know, sometimes you come into an environment thinking, I want to be an account person. I want to be a creative. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then when you finally get into it, you you realize, oh, no, no, baby, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> baby, no. what are you doing? No, <laughs> no honey, no. no. <laughs> so it's always good to have a work environment that allows you to say, like you said, come up to your, your direct report and say, Hey, I liked doing X, Y, Z, but maybe I'd like to try ABC. I'd still like to be able to provide as much energy and output to this particular agency as I can, but maybe in a different, you know, in a different light or in a different set of role, a different role. Yeah. And I really enjoy um, having my interns come to me and having other employees come to me and say, you know, I I want to do this because that um, the idea that a workplace can be open to self advocacy mm-hmm. is something that is is really unique to um, newer business culture. Yeah, absolutely. In the world, I believe, mm-hmm. um, traditionally with larger corporations and with um, you know larger workplaces that have bigger workforces, mm-hmm. um, the transitional period might be shorter because you have. Um, less things to jump from, say you wanted to switch careers Mm -hmm. within the agency or within your workplace, it might be a little bit faster because you can just sort of drop stuff. You know that people, you know, can pick it up when you leave and you move on. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a longer process because you have a little bit more to handle in a smaller workplace. Um, But 
the idea that you can go to someone and say, this is just what I want to do. And, you know, they they figure out a way to work that in for you. It can, in the long term, be a little bit more beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. I think work-life balance, too, um, Mm -hmm. is important. I think uh, us, you know, agency peeps understand that, you know, it comes with the territory that it's a demanding field to be in. You know, you've got clients, Mm -hmm. a lot of different clients in a lot of different areas, a lot of different projects, and you are, you know, um, reporting to these different individuals and providing different deliverables and it's just a lot of pressure and so being able to work for someone who understands that work-life balance how important that is Mm -hmm. you know like yesterday we had uh yoga on uh, on the patio here at evoke so mm. yeah i totally important. would have done it but i forgot yeah. my clothing sure so. sure i have mats yeah so you have no excuses i'll do it i'll do it next time mm-hmm. you know, for sure don't so, quote me on that don't quote me on that yeah um i am really happy that i'm able to organize stuff like yoga right mm. for this workplace i'm really happy that i'm able to organize the beer yes for happy this hours beer yes. 30 so important um uh, drink responsibly. Also, uh, <laughs> friendly remember to hydrate and to take care of yourself today. Uh, and be that's kind her exit. To be kind. Um, well, I'm still here. So to kind of to kind of expound on that a little bit, not every agency is just packed full of of millennials. Oh right. no. So with that said, like, how does retention work when you have a a multi generational workforce? When you have people who identify as the baby boomers and Gen Xers and millennials and even what what's the newest one now? Gen, Gen Z. Generation Z. What? Like. <laughs> What do you do? Like, how do you meet the needs of everyone without alienating anyone? Your HR department has to have the ability to address everyone as Mm -hmm. an individual. Okay. I think that that is really important just for for singular employee happiness. You have to be able to address everyone as an individual and, and check your preconceived notions about that individual or about that department or about the agency as a whole at, at the door. Mm-hmm. And when you are, say, say you're in crisis management, mm-hmm. um, as your HR person might be at any given moment, um, you have to check all of your outside feelings at the door, have a Zen moment mm-hmm. and say, all right, how are we going to make sure that this person is as happy as they can be? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we make sure that this person feels that they fit? Um, and you have to, to self, self-evaluate what you're feeling and, and evaluate what that other person is feeling mm-hmm. um, and, and come to a solution. Mm-hmm. Now, there there are big overarching things, uh, overarching things that you can't fix. Yeah. You know, you're not, if you're going to be a people pleaser, you're going to leave yourself unhappy. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, you're going to have to put in an agency, uh, you're going to have to implement some overarching rule that says we have beer 30 at five mm-hmm. okay and not five thirty. okay you know you're gonna have to do a couple of things that are for everybody in the whole agency right um but when when you're approaching a problem you're you're approaching individual happiness you have to approach it in an individual manner yeah for sure you just yeah. gotta know your people i think it's yeah. important for for management roles to understand each team member's lifestyles and demands outside of the office, mm-hmm. you know, and, and figuring out individual plans, you know, what, how can I, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side too, I think a little, a little bit of that is, is the responsibility of the employee as well. You know, you've got to do a little bit of self-reflection and okay. understand yeah. what your, 
tolerance levels are and what your goals are and being able to verbalize that, um, you know, to, to upper management. I, I had a friend I was talking to actually, and I have to share this because it was, it resonated so deeply with me. She was telling me that she, she had like an epiphany and finally understood the difference between, um, you know, being productive and being busy. Okay. And so she was trying to make an effort to be intentionally busy and mm. not just, I'm busy, I can't do this. I'm And letting that overwhelm you to the point where, you know, your vision's kind of cloudy and you're having a difficult time kind of setting those goals for yourself or, you know, bringing it back down to earth and, and you know, clear-headed walking through that day and, and speaking with the people and expressing your concerns and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I think it's it's a little bit of both. It's, a little, it's a definitely a, a balance. Yeah. So maybe it's the idea of treating people as people? Oh, sh- what a concept. No. Or you can, you can think of, of busyness as Hustle, and I could I could talk about we this hustle, forever. we, we do hustle. hustle, but mm-hmm. there's good hustle and there's bad hustle. Oh, for and sure. good hustle is I want to do this, mm-hmm. and bad hustle is I have I have to do this. To do yeah, right? um, you know, you know, bad hustle is like that busyness for the sake of being busy, um, and and good hustle is sort of grabbing your opportunities where they lie, and you know, getting your work done mm-hmm. um, in a productive manner. And I one of my teachers in um, in college. Um, while I was studying fine art and art history in tandem was, um, no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Casual. He said to the (laughs) class, he said, honor your moods when you have something to do. Mm. And that means if you are not in the mind frame to be productive, you will not be productive. Mm -hmm. So don't force it. Yeah. So, so forcing yourself or, or forcing any employee really to um, be crazy busy all the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is going to end up producing the kind of work that directly feels like someone rushed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, know your limits personally. Yeah. Management wise, understand your people, understand their needs, their wants, their <clears> goals. <throat> it's, you know, two way, two way street around yeah, here. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So I guess ultimately, to kind of to kind of bring it back, bring it full circle from what, what when we started this interview, like what what makes people stay? Like what makes people bring that hustle? What makes people feel like they have some sense of ownership with whatever it is they're doing and whoever they're doing it for? I we used to do something at Evoke, and I'm really hoping we bring it back sometime soon. Hint hint, hint, hint Larry <laughs> <laughs> and me. Okay. We yeah and. <laughs> We used to have a card game on our weekly agency production meetings, Mm. and um, we would pass around this card deck, and you could flip a card, and whatever that face value was were minutes towards additional PTO. Mm. Um, And you could either keep that for yourself, or before flipping it over, you could pass it on, you know, donate it to a fellow team member, but when doing so, you had to announce why you were giving it to them. It had to be work-related. What did they help you with this week? What did they knock out of the park? And it was such a mood booster. I mean, we would get in there and almost every single person would give away their cards, which is like, you know, kind of cool to think about that everyone's willing to sacrifice their time to praise another team member for a great job that they did. You know, like things like that, Mm -hmm. where you're able to recognize each other's work, you're, you know, you're singing their praises, you're building them up, you're supporting them, you're listening to them when they have concerns. It's, to me, those things are most important to me is feeling like I'm respected and mm-hmm. I have a voice, 
you know, and, and that my work is valued. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. Yeah. And I think that that plays in an agency culture, like yeah. the whole lift each other up idea that, you know, it's, it's not, uh, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts where if you have a bunch of people that fit in with culture mm-hmm. and that, you know, work together very well and that have the ability to um, lift each other up and, and just make each other feel good and, and honor each other for work done well mm-hmm. and work that took a long time or you worked really hard on. And, and that recognition um, was really beneficial, yeah. I think. And I don't know, nap pods would be really nice. <laughs> I mean, let's take a page from Google's book, right? Uh, I saw I saw another thing on, uh, on Huffington Post because I read this trash article and it hurt me. Uh, um, was it millennial-based? I hate these. Uh, it was. And ah. it, said, <laughs> it said that millennials like to um, be honored – for their achievement with awards, mm, I and see, you know, yeah. you know, there's that idea. I'm and offended. Then it also, said, <laughs> also said that Gen X people, so people born um, before, after the baby boomer generation, but before mm-hmm. 1977, mm-hmm. um, aka mom and dad. Yeah, mm. mom and dad um, <laughs> would rather be honored with monetary rewards i'll take both for the record <laughs> testing testing mike did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> just or kidding. maybe just awards that have cash value if you want to to pawn those in and unfortunately this might just be me like this might just be my opinion but um pto is a monetary reward mm-hmm. um and and there there's a real benefit if you can swing it <laughs> to doling out, you know, the occasional, like, I won Orlando City tickets mm-hmm. because I uh, answered a bunch of trivia questions mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant that I got to, you know, go have a good time. And that had a monetary value on it. But it yeah. was still, you know, like a little perk, a little, yeah. little, little happy end to my day that day. Look, sure. us millennials aren't that superficial. I would just like to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, hey, these perks are nice, you know. And yeah. it, it's not even a matter of making a big to-do about it. But yeah. just the fact that somebody is aware that, hey, you're doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. Keep up the great work. That's just it. give me a little pat on the it's back. Like, you know? yeah. It's something. Simple, simple, simple. Something. Yeah, encouragement, ongoing. There we encouragement. go, encouragement. Something that yes. that that gives me sure. the 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 will to go on. Because sure. yeah. without feedback, I'm just shooting in the dark, or yeah. that's what yeah. it feels like sometimes. Absolutely. I'm just, just, I'm gonna keep doing this thing because right. you're not giving me any direction <laughs> one way or the other. All right, and we'll see what happens. Sort of spinning <laughs> in a circle, just like. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Thank you, guys. Um, we're going to move into my favorite segment of the show. Take it or leave it. Yes. Are you ladies ready? Absolutely. Oh, so ready. All right. We're going to jump into the first topic. All right. Culture fit interviews. I saw this tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and She's I ready. Just need, it, the, the account is called Not a Wolf. Okay. And the, the picture is a wolf. Um, oh, I know this account. Yeah. yeah it's pretty but funny. It just says, I love startup culture. We have office beer. They gave me a jacket. I cannot afford medicine. And I get to work late tonight. Ooh, pinball. <laughs> so, so, is yeah, that a if, you fit, if you fit that culture, you might like that job. You might. You might. So, I guess the idea of kind of putting a interview portion that's that talks or covers specifically your hobbies, your hopes mm-hmm. and dreams, mm-hmm. your aspirations, things that might not necessarily deal with what 
we do mm-hmm. as a company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you take it or do you leave it? Take well, it. Yeah, definitely take it. If I in doses. Oh, oh, okay. I don't want to know the nitty gritty secrets about your life. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know how much ice cream you ate on your couch at 3 a.m. Because I'm not going to tell you that information either. (laughs) But two pints. If I'm interviewing somebody and they just don't seem to match, like if they're real uptight Mm -hmm. and they're real serious and they're nervous to answer questions and they're hesitant to share anything about themselves and you know ask like, "Where are you from?" and they're like, "I'm I'm from here." You know, it's it's going to be difficult for me to connect with you on a daily basis. Okay. It's going to be difficult for you to take feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to go into an interview, in a culture fit interview, thinking like, okay, the person across the table from me is a person. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah. you gotta you got to represent yourself as yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, don't hide because you're scared. Like, just mm-hmm. shake it off real fast and, and let your true self shine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, when I'm interviewing people, I'm looking to see if you're qualified, one – Mm-hmm. And two, can you kick it with me while watching The Bachelor? <laughs> or can you test. just talk smack with me about it? Or are you going to make fun of me about it? Because that's funny, too. I mean, <laughs> culture fit is important. These yeah. are important things. Like, do you watch Drag Race? Okay. I yeah, mean, I, I would did. fail that I test. Used, I did. I used to. My wife got me into it for a Good. hot minute. I, I didn't do it on my own. That yeah, season as well. <laughs> I have to catch up, I guess. I have to catch up. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've worked places where the culture fit interview consisted of like actual employees that might not have had anything to do with the department, the department I was working in, who would come in. It was like a three person panel and would ask me just questions like like so similar to like, what's your what's your speaking style? Like, mm-hmm. do you prefer this kind of engagement or this kind of, uh, you know, recognition? Like, you know, just things that kind of give you a better idea of what someone how someone would operate in an office setting, you know, outside of their job description. So, Absolutely. yeah, that's definitely a take it for me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next one. This is a, a kind of a, a saying, an age old saying that I've heard many, many times. Um, time. <laughs> <laughs> employees don't quit jobs. They quit managers. Take it or leave it. Taking it. I think it's true. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we might mm. defer a little bit, a little bit. I don't know. I feel like maybe indirectly. I that. It's pretty indirect. It's, I, I would say that. And it's you case know, by case. You know, it depends. Sometimes I've really liked my manager and felt mm-hmm. really bad about leaving a job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like with the agency culture, I worked in a restaurant where everybody there was a musician. And as a musician, I really valued that. And mm-hmm. it was just funny that everybody that stuck around ended up being in the music industry just because we all meshed really well. Yeah. Um, and it was just sort of the culture of the restaurant. Hmm. I don't, um, yeah. But my first job, I was 14 and I worked in a nursing home. Okay. And um, when you turn 14 in New Jersey, you can start working and you get something called your working papers. And um, it's a document. It's uh, <laughs> that's such that sounds like such a Jersey thing. So Got my working papers. It's your A300 working certification forms. Wow. And um, you that can, sounds it's, sterile. It's basically it's basically a form that says I'm underage, but I can work and I can work until nine o'clock until I turn sixteen. AKA and then I can not work. child labor. <laughs> yes. So it's preventative for th- those reasons. And mm-hmm. I ha- I worked in a nursing home, and nursing homes in the state of New Jersey can pay you less than minimum wage. Mm. Oh no wow. No matter in like where you work. Okay. If you are underage. 
So um, I was working for like five fifty an hour hmm. or something, something real small because, um, you know, it, it's who would hire me yeah. for my first job. And um, the management there was just not we did not match at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a respect issue with a lot of the um, between management and like the nurse staff and okay. the management and the food service staff. Okay. And I worked in the food service place and I did quit that manager. Wow. Just because they were not listening to their employees mm-hmm. and they were um, they were handing out like 25 cent raises to keep people quiet. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and that, you know, it was that was the first time <laughs> that I quit a job and it was the first time that I quit a manager. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And I okay. have done it since then where, you know, I just could not. The people there I loved, um, but, you know, there there came a point where I just could not. I, I didn't see a, an opportunity for growth mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, and I knew people that had stayed there for a really long time. But yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna soft take it. So it's I'm a gonna, soft take. I'm also yeah. soft take. Um, <laughs> That's not the name of the segment. <laughs> um, maybe yeah, kind of take it. You know, jeez. Mm, yeah. I I think there. You know. If not for your manager, people are leaving for other reasons. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't feel valued. Maybe they're looking for a, a pay raise. Maybe yeah. they're not. You know, they're looking to change industries. But at the end of the day, I'm like, well, you know, th- that is kind of the responsibility of the manager to implement some sort of protocols and processes to maybe avoid that, or um, you know to have those conversations frequently, mm-hmm. like we were saying, those touch mm-hmm. points to, yeah. to understand, you know, what, where's your head at right now? What are you thinking? How's everything going? So maybe, maybe it is a, a bit on the managers. Um, so maybe you are quitting your managers indirectly, indirectly, you know, uh, not that you're necessarily upset with them, but things that could have been maybe prevented or yeah. avoided had there been those conversations. What yeah. do you think, Brian? Why do you dissent? Well, well, I mean, I think when it comes to leaving any kind of work situation, I, I feel like the manager or the director or the supervisor is kind of the victim of circumstance because mm-hmm. there are a lot yeah. of variables that kind of play into why people ultimately leave their sure. jobs. And then you always have to have that guinea pig or that black sheep, mm-hmm. that punching bag, that whipping boy who kind of takes the brunt of why something failed sure, or why sure. a person kind of, you know, hit the old dusty. So I don't, I guess it is indirect. I think it is an indirect kind of like, Mm -hmm. or leave it, take it. Am I taking this? I know. I'm leaving this. I'm confused by Eh, this one. I'm ambivalent. Um, (laughs) Okay, well. It was just my 14 year old brain, you know, blaming somebody for not having a job anymore. Uh, Oh, you know. So it's it's circumstantial. Yeah, We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll leave it at that. All right. All right. Next topic. Micromanaging. Leave it. Ooh, I wish I could have seen her face just now. (laughs) Hate that crap. (laughs) It's it's definitely rough. Um, Some tips for for handling a micromanager. Um, Just don't do it. Well, yeah. But the the number one thing, if you are being micromanaged, the best thing that you can do is self-advocate. Okay. So be that, um, you know, replying replying in a kind way, um, asking for... And a self-evaluation, asking for your, your manager to, you know, evaluate the way that they are speaking to you and, and just say, like, listen, like, I know that I'm a step behind you, mm-hmm. um, but I, I need you to give me some space. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're if you're really, really being micromanaged and you have asked um, for help and you have asked for, um, 
you know, a reevaluation, then then you can always go to someone above them for sure and say, listen, I do not think that this person's management style and my work style mesh. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, I think there's good, sure. good micromanaging and bad micromanaging. I mean, th- there's like two different types of situations there. There is either you're being micromanaged because someone has some serious control issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's a problem and you can approach that, um, you know, based on Sam's advice. Um, <laughs> or, you know, there's the other side of things and, and I hate to micromanage. I, I don't even like that word, but there have certainly been times where I feel like I need to be very involved maybe in the initial stages mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, a new hire being onboarded, um, maybe because things aren't um, being picked up as quickly <clears throat> or things are, con- you know, I'm having to maybe repeat myself. Um, sometimes this happens with interns and that's a total natural learning curve. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if you feel you are, being micromanaged maybe do like a quick self-evaluation and try to curb that you know Mm -hmm. what can i do to avoid being victim of micromanagement because i do hate that but then it it, you know it's a growth opportunity what do you need to do to step up think ahead be proactive um so that this crazy megan is off my neck (laughs) definitely try to avoid it i'm sorry no i've definitely micromanaged myself before Mm. Like I will write, I have this like obsessive uh, notebook in front of me that I bring everywhere and that looks like I threw it in the bathtub. Yeah, um, there are a lot of words in that notebook oh, yeah. over there. So that is like my self-management tool because okay. I have like, I have OCD. So um, it uh, means that like my brain is really busy. All It's really loud in there. Mm-hmm. So um, I will, I will write if I'm having a particularly bad day and, and I know that I really need to get a bunch of stuff done, I'll write it all out. And I'll set a timer for every 30 minutes. Okay. And I will eliminate all of the things that were distracting me. Um, this podcast isn't a distraction, thing. is it? No, no, okay. no. This is work. This I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to take you out of your schedule. No, we're good. Um, I don't have it. You know, itemized past uh, 30 minutes. Okay. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but every 30 minutes, if I find that something is really distracting me, I will micromanage myself into removing those distractions. Okay. And that can help. Um, if you have been micromanaged before and, and you need to do that self-evaluation, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are a ton of different productivity methods that you can use to, yeah. uh, to evaluate, you know, you know, make a change for sure. You know, say I need to, I need to focus more or yeah. I need to remove distractions or I need to, um, minimize my tasks to like four tasks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of that takes a lot of, a lot of that takes a, a lot of self-awareness too. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is a, it's a rare trait regardless of how long you've been in the industry. Mm-hmm. Or just working in general, just being able to be self-aware enough to say, all right, what's going on with my process or with my my aptitude to where my direct report feels to the need to breathe down my neck every two minutes. Right. And and I would say, just so all these uh, podcast listeners out there don't think I'm some kind of crazy manager over here. All six of them. <laughs> um, you know, I... I it's it I feel like micromanagement is like that is last ditch resort. Like this is happening as a result of having conversations, mm-hmm. having those touch points, you know, here's your, you know, breakdown of your schedule, what processes are 
this is how you approach these certain things, things still not happening. And then, you know, I, I will, I like try to avoid that at all costs, but mm-hmm. sometimes yeah, there's gotta be like some hand holding in the beginning and maybe that's, you know, synonymous with micromanaging, but generally I would say leave it because I hate to be micromanaged. Yeah. Know when to leave it. <laughs> yeah, no one true. to hold them, yeah. no one to fold them. There you go. <laughs> all right. So, so wrapping up this segment with our, our last topic, uh, again, trying to bring it full circle exit interviews take it or leave it take it uh take it well of course you're gonna say it because it's from I an hr to- <laughs> it's like mandated I have to live them by section 103 <laughs> i must carry she's out a bot duty. she's a bot um yeah well honestly i don't know i don't know if i'm leaving on this one so maybe maybe I kind of want to go out in like a weird, mysterious, clandestine kind of way. And That's you weird. Want, nobody <laughs> wants all of their uh, mistakes to be laid out in front of them and say like, well, you could have done this and this and this yeah. and this mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to, you know, hear all their feelings um, when they're already exiting a place. You know, sometimes that can that can make employees shut the coffin lid on how they felt about your company. For sure. Um, so exit interviews for me have to have to be overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. not yes. not ego stroking mm-hmm. but pretty positive in the way that you know you can list or or impart to someone what you believe they've learned um, and that I believe should be the focus um, in an exit interview and you know it's it's more for the company it's less for the employee um, in my opinion it's more for the company to sort of gauge how they're doing yeah, I kind of look at it as like, uh, you know, like in the beginning of any kind of Zelda game, it's like, here, take this. It's Hello, dangerous out nerd. there. You know, it's kind of like it is dangerous to go. Alone. Yeah, it's dangerous take to go this. take this. Exactly. Um, I kind of always look at exit interviews as like, OK, your your tenure here is is over for whatever reason, whether it's mm-hmm. amicable or otherwise. Um, here's what we can give you, you know, part and parcel to your success later on in life. Cause I think you should always try to end whatever the relationship was on the best note possible. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't want to, you don't want it to be a situation where someone feels jaded or mm-hmm. kind of jilted and you get, you get that, that less than savory glass door review, mm-hmm. you know, three months later, like Ugh. it's like a four paragraph, just like what, what happened? Why, where was the communication breakdown? Yeah, No, I think it's an opportunity for both parties to kind of have a voice in the process i mean of course you know there's a an appropriate way to approach that conversation Mm -hmm. but i think that it's beneficial for both i think it's beneficial for the employee Mm -hmm. um to have their opinions be heard and feel like they are valued and being taken into account and i think it's beneficial for the employer to know that at you know, a day to day level that this employee feels X, Y, and Z, maybe things that I'm not necessarily aware of and, you know, noted and, and what can we do to continue to change? I mean, I think that's what keeps, uh, organizations, uh, flourishing and, you know, you're learning, you're living, you're learning, you're moving on, you're making changes, you're constantly optimizing. That's a fun buzzword we like to use around here. So, (laughs) you know, it's just kind of part of the process, Mm -hmm. I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Awesome. Oh my God. This is the first time Brian and I have ever agreed on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's the last. 
All right, ladies, I just I want to thank both of you for taking the time out to, to entertain me in whatever this podcast is that I they let me do every two weeks. Um, <laughs> and open communication. We do this for an hour in a room. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, we will be right back. All right, everybody, that wraps up another episode of Provoke. I'd like to thank Megan and Sam for coming in to talk to us about all things employee happiness and retention. Uh, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to send them to Provoke, P-R-O-V-O-K, at evokead.com. And follow us on a Twitter, at evokead, as well as Facebook, at Evoke Advertising, where you can keep up with all of our contributions to the advertising world. Now, for today's quote... I think Betty Bender summed it up nicely when she said, when people go to work, they shouldn't have to leave their hearts at home. Y'all take care. <laughs>